0: Now, let's open up the Word of God together for today's message. All right, guys, let's dive in now. Matthew chapter 6 is where we are. We're going to be looking at one verse today, verse 24. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, feel free to stand up, grab a Bible in the back there. That's our gift to you. Um, so after a two-week break here, we had Dr. Jim Martin preaching on Job And then we celebrated Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday last week, and we find ourselves back in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, We are studying the section called the Sermon on the Mount. It is the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher ever, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, Jesus closes today with a, a crystal clear conclusion regarding money, regarding possessions, So if you look at your Bible, you're going to see kind of that segment of Scripture broken down from verses 19 through 24. In verses 19 through 21, we looked at what he called the two treasures. In verse 19, he said, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. Why? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. We had quite a few key points uh, looking at that text. Number one, we learned that hoarding is a sin against God, right? We hang on to these things that we don't need just because at the end of the day, we don't trust him. We trust in the things that we can see versus the things that we can't see. We also learn that to save and spend everything we earn only on ourselves, uh, that's not only unwise, but it is sinful. And we define what sinful is, sinful treasure. Anything in this world, that is everything to you. So if you lost this thing, Whatever your treasure is, you would be distraught. You would be devastated. Think about Schmeagel in the the Lord of the Rings. (laughs) My precious. (laughs) (laughs) My precious. Mine. It's mine. Number four, we learn that it's not wrong to possess things, right? That's not wrong, but it is wrong for things to possess us. If we can't live without something, then that is a red flag that something has, that that something has its claws in us. How do we defeat? How do we defeat this mindset? We learn contentment, number five. Contentment is a core value in handling our possessions. Because number six, what happens to our treasure, it happens to us. What happens to our treasure happens to us. So if we really treasure our work, if, this is, if our work, if our career is an idol and we have a really, really good day at work, well, then we're in a good mood. We come home, wife's happy, kid's happy, grandkids are happy, everybody's happy. But uh-oh, what happens when we have a bad day at work? We come home, we yell at everybody, we kick the cat for no reason, See, number seven, we learn that our treasures and our desires, this is a heart issue. Our treasures, our desires will either both be earthly or both be heavenly. We can't have one foot in heaven and one foot on the earth. we can't straddle the fence here because it's really painful when we fall off. (laughs) We learn that if you want to know where your heart is, Well, follow your calendar and follow your money. Our time, especially our free time, and our checkbook, it prove what we truly believe, regardless of what we say. And then lastly, we we learn that financial problems, they're spiritual problems. Our money problems don't deal with money. They deal with our heart. The finances always point to the heart of the matter because it's always a matter of our hearts. So that's a review of the two treasures. And then in verse 22 and 23, we learned about two visions, two visions. Jesus goes on to say in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness So if the light within you is darkness, well, how deep is that darkness? So if the truth that you you believe is actually a lie, that lie runs deeper, it runs wider than you can ever imagine. We also learned some Jewish culture with how they referred to a good eye and a bad, bad eye. The bad eye refers to someone being financially stingy. So key point number 10, we said that understanding finances is a key to understanding spiritual truth. So if you're, if you're stuck spiritually, review your finances, review your calendar. Mark this down, read Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 when you get home sometime this week. Malachi 3 verse 8 talks about robbing God. Our spiritual life and our finances, they do intertwine, and and that's what Jesus is going to show us today. Where we spend our money, where we spend our time, they reveal what we actually believe about God, regardless of what we say. So that's a review of of the two visions, and that really sets us up beautifully for today. So Jesus, what he does today in verse 24, he, he presses into the subject of money by focusing on two masters. So we've got two treasures, we've got two visions, and now we have two masters. Now we're all involved in this conversation about money. Why is that? Well, because at some level we're overly concerned about money in our lives. I mean, just watch how we react when we don't have any. How do you think you would respond if you were to wake up tomorrow and your life's savings was completely cleaned out? You've got nothing in checking, you've got nothing in savings. All the moth, all the rust ate it away. Someone cleaned you out, they stole your savings. And it's because of that type of reaction that we have to a tragedy like that. Why scripture talks about money and possession so much. There are over 2,000 verses on money, 500 verses on faith and prayer, 500, and yet there are 2,350 Bible verses on money. Man, that's, that's more than four times on faith. Why is that? Very few people know how to handle success and prosperity well. No one, nobody is immune from mishandling money, and that's why Jesus calls money a master. And if somebody is a master, that means somebody is also a slave. And as the prophet Bob Dylan once said, (laughs) you got to serve somebody. Nobody wants to serve wealth, right? We, We want wealth to serve us. So you can't serve God and money, but you can serve God with your money. So let's find out how we do that today. If you would, please stand now for the reading and the honoring of God's word. The words will be on the screen. If you would please read them with me out loud. Um, We're going to start in verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, Your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And dear friends, these are the very words from the authoritative, the infallible, the inerrant, the inspired word of Almighty God. Please pray with me. Father, the psalmist writes, I rejoice over your promise like the one who finds vast treasure. Lord, may we rejoice at the the reading and the proclamation and the explanation of your word this morning may you write these words on our hearts. May it be such a joy, it be the same kind of joy of finding a, a bag full of money buried in our backyard. May it bring so much more joy than that. And not only that, Lord God, as you write these words on our heart, may we apply them this week. Show us Show us how this meets us. Show us where our hearts are not right with our money and our possessions. Father, we pray that you would get our eyes off ourselves and back on you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a seat, guys. Thank you. Let's take a look here at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Make a note here, no one means no one. It doesn't mean a many. It doesn't mean a few people. No one is oudies in the Greek. It means no, It means nothing. No one, nobody. It's an absolute. Nada. Nobody. I think absolutes are kind of funny. They're not ha-ha funny, but they're just kind of funny because we, we hear something like this and we go, you know, Lord, I think, um, I think if you would allow me to win the lottery, <laughs> I could probably steward the money fairly good. What do you say? Let's give that a shot. Let me go to the casino and just seven, seven, seven. Now, why must we choose, though? Jesus is so clear here. Why must we choose between God and money? He goes on to say in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. The answer is because money can so quickly become a master, a ruler, an owner over our life. The word master in Greek, "kyrios" it means Lord. It means Lord. Now you and I would never say that, would we? We'd never say that. That money is our Lord? Come on. We would never bow down to a $20 bill, physically. And yet many, many times we do spiritually and emotionally. We've given money a divine nickname, the almighty dollar. But it's also called filthy lucre. The name master, Lord, it's appropriate because we all have had a really a bad case of the normals when it comes to the false security that that money brings us. So notice right from the start here where Jesus is going with this. Key point number one. Money is a rival God. Money is a rival God. It's not a challenger. It's not a competitor. It's not an enemy of the one true God. Money is a false God. And it's a God because why? People put their faith in it. And dear friends, that's called worship. But Like every false god, money eventually disappoints its worshipers. People may have it all, but you know what? It's never enough. Notice here why it's never enough. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Notice that word serve there. Doulos means slave. So in other words, no slave can have two lords. So by its very definition, a slave owner has total control over the slave. The slave proclaims his allegiance to his master, that is, if he wants to keep his life. And history shows us how slave masters would, would brand their slaves. And the same is true with the Lord Jesus. Notice this. Sometime this week, go to Revelation chapter 22, verse 4. Fascinating. Fascinating. Now, please note that Jesus' illustration here, it's not like having two jobs today. That's not what he's talking about. You can work for two employers. You can certainly do that. But you can't belong to two masters. A master, a lord, in this context, it demands service at any time. There's no such thing as a partial or a part-time service for a slave. There's no clocking in and there's no clocking out. So God and money here, they are portrayed not as employers, but as slave owners. A slave, he owes full-time service to a full-time master. He is owned, he is controlled, um, he is obligated to his Lord. He has nothing left for anyone else or anything else. To give anything to anyone else, that would make his master less than a Lord. So serving two lords is not difficult, it's impossible. The orders that come from God and the orders that come from money, they they don't exist. They cannot exist. Let me give you a couple examples here. The Lord Jesus commands us to walk by faith while money demands that we walk by sight. The Lord Jesus calls us to be humble while money demands that we be oppressive and proud. The Lord Jesus tells us to set our minds on the things above. While money entices us on the things here below. The Lord Jesus calls us to love the light, which is the truth. Money tempts us to love darkness. Now many of us, we don't like that term, slave. We don't even like the term serve or submit. I mean, I mean, after all, we're, we're Americans, we're free, but let's not forget first and foremost who we are. We're Christians. We've got a dual citizenship, don't we? And if we're Christians, then the Bible is the final authority over our lives. And here's what it says about serving and slaves. It comes from the Apostle Paul, Romans 6, verse 16. Paul says, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Notice that it's a choice. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey, which leads to righteous living leads to life so we got two options you guys see them we got slave and sin that leads to death and then we've got being a slave to God and that leads to life there is no middle ground there Jesus presses in further here in verse 24 he says this no one can serve two masters since either he's going to hate one and love the other so think choose or don't choose going back to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 6 there. We got hate and love, love and hate. See, this is a matter of our will. This is a choice for us. If God blesses us with with wealth, and we use that wealth that he's given to us for his glory, then we are going to be a blessing to other people. But if we want, if we will to get rich if that's on the forefront of our minds if we we will ultimately pay a great price for those riches. The apostle Paul he writes to Timothy, he says this. He says, "Hey Tim, godliness with contentment there's that word contentment again. That is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out." As a side note, my dad was not a Christian. He did adopt this verse, though. He used to say, hey, Dustin, if you don't settle down, I brought you into this world, and I will take you out. But I digress. Verse 8, he says, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. There's that word contentment again. But those who want to be rich, this desire, this choosing, this longing, To be rich. You're going to fall into temptation, which is a trap. Many foolish and harmful desires come with this. They plunge people down into ruin and destruction. And verse 10, for the love of money, not money itself, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. See the choice there? The love of money. They they chose the wrong master. By craving it, some have wandered away from the faith. They've left the faith to pursue money. And he goes on to say they've pierced themselves with many griefs. So key point number two, notice this. The person who pursues the wrong treasure and has the wrong vision will most certainly serve the wrong master. The person who pursues the wrong treasure, the wrong vision will certainly, there's no other way around it. You're going to serve the wrong master. Notice the progression of sin there. That's the story that Jesus is telling us. A disciple of Jesus cannot be the loyal slave of both God and money. Having a divided loyalty here is impossible. Let me give you an example the Civil War, one of the greatest tragedies in American history. Why did this country implode upon itself and kill one another? The central issue was that of masters and slaves and, and money. So as they went, they went to battle, the Union, the North, right? They, they wore the blue uniforms. The Confederates, the South, they wore gray uniforms people had to choose which uniform they were going to wear. If someone didn't choose, and they tried to make a statement by wearing blue on top and gray on the bottom, guess what? <laughs> he got shot by both sides. <laughs> Same thing here. You can't serve both. And that's what the, Jesus said this to Satan when he was being tempted uh, for 40 days. He says, Satan, go away. Get skedaddle. You can't worship the Lord your God, excuse me, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Serve only him. Now what's really interesting here is that Jesus uses a different verb for serve. It paints this picture of service as an act of worship. If Jesus is Lord, then it is a true act of worship. If money is our Lord, then it's idolatry. And you know, guys, it can happen so suddenly. You get a promotion at work, congratulations. But see, now you have a choice. You have a choice on whether or not you're going to skip the Wednesday night Bible study. You, it can also happen slowly. Slowly. To where you become more and more interested in working overtime. You want to save the money, save the cash, put it in savings. And there's a temptation there to disassociate from your your godly friends at church. And you just start skipping Sundays. You start skipping Wednesdays. And it becomes all-consuming. You push the very people that you need so desperately away to serve another god. It can happen tragically. You lose everything. And now you have another choice. What am I going to do? Oh, I know. I'm going to save some money by, I'm going to stop tithing. See how, see the the slippery slope here? Think of Judas Iscariot. Jesus, come on, man. You're taking way too long for this Messiah thing. I know what I'll do. I'm going to speed it up. I'm going to force your hand to be the king. And he used the little God of money to try. And he failed. Back to verse 24. No one can serve two masters since he will either hate one and love the other, or he's going to be devoted to one and despise the other. So what Jesus does here is he reiterates his point. He's saying the same thing by providing another example. Once again, either or. The compromise between two masters is impossible. And the reason that is, is because this type of service to our master and our Lord, it carries the sense here that you have entirely given yourself to a person, to an activity, to a cause. And with the Lord Jesus, it is all three of those. Jesus talks about love, hate, devotion, um, and, and, and despising. Love is this this great affection for, it's having this loyalty to someone. Hate, once again, to to detest something. Devotion is this wholehearted commitment to your master. There's love in that. Once again, despise, almost the same thing as hate, when you look down upon someone with disrespect and contempt. And yet, Once again, we're just so prone to compromise, to think, you know, I can do this. But in our humanness and in our fallenness, we try to walk that fence. And so Jesus closes verse 24 here by by clearing up all the fog. If we got any fog left, he's going to offer a crystal clear conclusion. He just says, you cannot serve both God and money. No one can serve two masters, just as no one can store treasure in both heaven and here on earth. We got to choose one. No one can serve two masters, just as no one can walk in the light and in the darkness both at the same time. We got to choose one. We can't both lie and tell the truth at the same time. We can't both save money and spend money at the same time. We can't both tithe our money and hoard our money at the same time. We got to choose. The last word in verse 24 is money. You cannot serve both God and money. You're going to see that word mammon if you got the old King James. What is mammon? What is mammon? It's money. Mammon, it, from a uh, historical point of view, it, it means the trusted thing. It's the thing in which one trusts. So, to the rich young ruler, Jesus said this, right? He said, All right, go and sell, you want to be perfect? Go sell all your stuff, give it to the poor. And then you're going to have treasure in heaven. Because he had all the treasure on earth, but he didn't know what treasure in heaven looked like. Jesus said, you go do that, and then come and follow me. Jesus commissions the 12 apostles, and he says this. This is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. He says, everyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Notice where his Father is. But whoever denies me before others, I'm going to deny him before my father. Where is he? He's in heaven. And this is is incredible. Don't assume that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. The one who loves a father or mother more than me, that guy's not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me, not worthy of me. And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me, not worthy of me. Oh my goodness, what happened to this meek and mild Jesus Why is he causing all this family strife? Verse 39, anyone who finds his life is going to lose it. Anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. We have to understand that the Lord Jesus shares his throne with no one. No one. Key point number three. The Lord Jesus only demands one thing, and that's your life. The Lord Jesus, it's only one thing, guys. It's your life. That's it. And if you think that's scary, let's consider the consequences of serving the wrong master. Verse 21, uh, 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord... Lord. See, just saying Lord. Look what Jesus says here. Not everybody who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, there's an appointment for each one of us. On that day, many will say to me, Lord. Hey, Lord, you know, didn't we Didn't we prophesy? That word prophesy is preach. Didn't we preach? Didn't we teach? Didn't we share the three circles in your name? Didn't I give money to this? And didn't I feed the poor over here and build a well over there? Didn't I do all that stuff in your name? Didn't I drive out demons in your name? Wow, that's impressive. Didn't I do many miracles in your name? Hmm. Guys, notice. Notice that this is what they said they did these things. They said this. Jesus didn't say this about them. They said this. So they are obviously very, very confused here. And Jesus, he clears up the confusion. And Basically, he's saying, don't call me Lord. Verse 23, he says, I never knew you guys. I don't know you. I don't recognize you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Wow. So in other words, you made the wrong choice and they followed the wrong God, and now they're going to suffer the consequences in a very real place called hell for eternity. You know, one of the most tragic things about serving money is that our money is a gift from God. All of it. Not just our tithe, right? We all work We all have jobs, we all earn a paycheck, but biblically speaking, you are the secondary cause to all of this. God is the primary cause. I mean, think about it, the the very things that God, out of his goodness, out of his grace, out of his kindness, all these things that God has given to us, these earthly things that God designed, he designed these things to serve us, these things that we're to enjoy, they can so easily become our slaves. So instead of enjoying our food, our homes, our, our careers, our marriages, our kids, our grandkids, look in the, in the rearview mirror of your life and see how these things have, have tried to detour you from the one true living God. If we're not careful, we will be dominated by these things. If we're not careful, they start to control us. So how do we know when some of these things or these people are controlling us? Have you ever been laid on a car payment? Ring, ring. Hi, Dustin, this is the Bank of Babylon. And uh, were you going to make your payment this? Yeah, I'm I'm trying. I'm trying. Do you drop everything for a certain person? This person changes all of your plans at the last minute and you allow them to do that. Worshiping the the wrong Lord is indeed a tragedy. And it will be tragic to have spent our entire lifetime, laying up all these, these treasures on earth because there will become one day to where you, you find yourself at the end of your life with nothing. It's going to happen to us all. I mean, we don't, we don't like to think of it, do we? But someday we're going to find ourselves face-to-face with the most powerful adversary of our earthly lives. And that is death. Death. Jesus asked this. He said in Mark 8.36, what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? Gain, loss. Loss, gain. What can anyone give in exchange for his life? This is not a rhetorical question. The answer is nothing. See, we don't have the power, we don't have the resources within us to offer anything in exchange for our lives especially our, our eternal lives right we're creatures we're creatures we're so vulnerable we, we we got two small holes that we breathe out out of our nose think about how vulnerable we are with our lives That's why God as the creator, right? His his life, he gave his life in exchange for ours. Make no doubt about it here, guys. Money is a demonic idol that also demands complete allegiance. Now, I know that's a strong statement. Stay Stay with me here as I close. The entire monetary system truly is incredible. I mean, truly, money is a religion that requires greater faith in the resurrection of Christ. I want you to think about this. How so? Because the cash in your wallet and the savings in your bank and the retirement that you plan to use, every dollar is backed by nothing. It's only worth something because the sinful people running the economy say it is. So let's change this conversation. Let's change it. Rather than asking, you know, can we afford that? How about we ask this? Does this purchase glorify God? How does buying this make me a better servant of the Lord's money? And by the way, the money that he's gifted to me. This principle, I think, is really powerful for kids and grandkids. What's the message when we continually tell our kids and our grandkids, no, 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 we can't afford it. We can't afford it. What's the message being sent there? The message is, oh, wait a second, the adults don't make the decisions in the family. Money does. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones one of my favorite preachers. He tells the story of a farmer who told his wife. He comes into the kitchen. He is so happy. He says, babe, our best cow has given birth to twin calves. We got a red one and a white one. And he said, you know what? I think I'm being led by the Lord here. I'm going to dedicate one of these calves to the Lord. And we're going to raise them together. When the time comes to sell them, We're going to keep the money from one, and we're going to give the money uh, to the Lord from the other. And his wife asked, well, which one is the Lord's calf? He goes, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're going to raise them both at the same time. Fast forward a few months, he returned to that same kitchen, and he's very, very sad. He's distraught. His wife asked what was wrong. He said, I got bad news. The Lord's calf is dead. <laughs> it's always that way, isn't it? It's the Lord's calf that always dies. Unless, guys, listen, unless we change our, our attitude, uh, unless we, we, we decide at the very beginning here that we are here today to serve the Lord, above everything else, and we choose to serve God with, with our money. Father in heaven, what an amazing scripture. Thank you so much that you've given us the time to spend three weeks on these verses. Thank you for teaching us about the two treasures, having the two visions and then ultimately choosing what it looks like for us to to have two masters. Lord, there is a lot of sin that needs to be confessed when it comes to the way that we look at money, the way that we process money, the way that we spend our money, and just our overall attitude towards money. I pray, Father, that as we As we think about money and possessions and finances this week, that you would continue to bring these words to mind, that we will take what you're laying on our heart today and and we would bring that to prayer, and Lord, that you would continue to transform us from the inside out, and it's in Christ's name we pray, Amen. Amen. amen, amen.